All right, folks, we're in Genesis chapter 1 today. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. And so we're going to talk about uh, God and his creation, okay? So let's begin, first of all, with verse 1. This is how the book begins, okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, so I just want to point out a couple of things to you here. First of all, that will help you to understand some different things as we get into this book, as we talk about creation, and just the Old Testament and all of the Bible in particular. First of all, his pre-existence. The scriptures assume that God has always existed. I mean, it just starts right off the bat. In the beginning, God. It doesn't tell you where he came from. It doesn't tell you how long he's been here. Uh, It doesn't tell you anything. It just automatically assumes that you understand that there is one supreme God who created, who created everything. So to be honest with you, you hear people saying, well, argue for the existence of God from the Bible. That's going to be difficult because the Bible doesn't spend its time trying to argue the existence of God. The Bible just automatically assumes you understand that God exists, okay? That God exists. What Paul will tell us later is is that there are other things that will express the existence of God that you can point to, such as creation, general revelation, God and his creative works, The world around can tell that there is what a creator based upon what the creation that you're looking at. Or your conscience, your heart. Okay? So the scriptures assume that God has always existed. Now, here is the statement of creation. This is what verse 1 is. Verse 1 is basically a statement of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, here's what we're going to do, and I'm not going to read all of these verses to you, but as we go through them, I may point them out to you, okay? Because there's a lot of material we're going to cover. From verse 2 of chapter 1 through verse 3 of chapter 2, we're going to see the creation account, okay? We're going to see the creation account. Now, before we go through the creation account, I need to spend a little bit of time just kind of expressing to you that there are certain viewpoints out there of people concerning the whole issue of creation in the beginning of life, okay? So the, the, the approach that we're going to be taking from here that we assume and we believe is that God created everything. And God only took six literal days to do it. Do you understand? Because he can do anything. If he wants to take six days, he takes six days. The Bible tells us here in a moment we're going to see that he took six days. That's the first view. The next view is called intelligent design. That's a newer view that is out there. It's been out there for the last 15 years or so. And that's uh, not someone who is going to say that God created in 
six days, but they're going to say that there was some sort of intelligence in the world, that in the beginning of the world, and that some sort of intelligence outside of our world created everything, okay? So that could be God, or it could be Zorak on the planet Goomba, okay, who came here. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, so that's intelligent design. The next viewpoint is uh, the theistic evolution viewpoint. And that is where we embrace what science says, and we try to make science mold itself to the Scripture. And because science says it took billions of years to get where we are right now, that therefore the days aren't literally days, they're periods of time. And so that's kind of the theistic evolutionary point, that God used the process of macroevolution to uh, bring about what we have today. So that, that's that viewpoint. The final viewpoint is the viewpoint of a secularist, of a humanist, who does not believe in God, of a naturalist. And that is that everything was created through macroevolution. Do you understand? Macroevolution. In the beginning... There was a, a little bit of water and some scum or whatever and bright chemicals and amino acids and a little bit of whatever, electrical charge or something, and that resulted in uh, human beings over a process of a little bit of microbes becoming something else, becoming something else, becoming something else, becoming something else. And it took billions of years for that to happen, Okay. I mean, I just basically gave you a brief synopsis. Maybe I wasn't accurate in all of those things, but those are the major viewpoints, okay? And to be honest with you, our society wrestles with that, okay? But we're not going to talk about which one is right, which one is not. We're going to assume, because God has always existed, that God can do anything. God can what? Create as he wants to create, and reveals how he created. And as we go through it, you're going to see um, that, yeah, it's possible, okay? It's possible. So, let's first of all look. Verse 2 tells us there was chaos in the beginning, okay? Chaos, verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, Okay? So first thing, before creation, the world was empty, dark, and without form. Okay? Empty, dark, and without form. He's The writer, Moses, is trying to help us to, in his human words, are trying to describe something without form. Okay? Now, he goes on and says, the Spirit of God moved over the chaos in preparation for creation. So here we go. From the very beginning, who do we see? We see God. Verse 2 tells us somebody else we see here. Who? Spirit of God. Who's that? Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit. Now, when we come to verse 3, through verse 3 of chapter 2, we're going to see the seven days of creation. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time here talking about that. And you'll notice that I have interspersed through 
through the lessons here some study notes for you to look at as we go through these things, okay? And as we go through it, I will answer any questions you might have. So first of all, does anybody have a question up to this point? Based upon what we've talked about, okay? All right. Let's go first day, verses 3 through 5. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Okay, so let's take a look here. Some interesting information. So on the first day of creation, God created light and separated it from the darkness. On the first day of creation, God created light and separated it from the darkness. Okay? So God created light, separated it from the darkness. Now, here's what he did. Now, I think this is interesting, because you're going to see that he did more than just create light on the first day, okay? Here's what he did. Light was called day, and the darkness was called what? Night. Light was called day, and the darkness was called night. So he's not just creating light, but he's setting in motion something else here. And here's what we're going to see for the final part here is that the first day was determined by the evening and the morning. The first day was determined by the evening and the morning. So here's what you're going to notice. You're going to notice this with every day of creation. He's going to use the word day here, but he's going to define what day is, the evening and the morning. For the Jew, the Jewish day starts on the evening. And it goes through the evening into the day until what? The next evening. Okay? So if you notice in the, in, in the New Testament, remember, the Sabbath is approaching. They said it's getting dark. The Sabbath is approaching. And so we need to make sure he's in the tomb. What are they talking about? It's getting dark and the Sabbath, they're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath, started on the evening and went through the next day. So what you see here, and okay, so here's what you're going to see. You're not going to see that God just created light, but what we see here is he also created time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Time is created here. So the first day, time. Isn't that interesting? Now what does that tell you about God? Okay, you said it, Lori. He doesn't exist in time because he created time. Are we bound by time? Yes. Uh, you know, I have a picture down in my office. Uh, if, you look, if you look in on my bookshelf behind my desk, you'll see a picture of all my kids, and then you'll see a picture of Lori on her wedding day, on our wedding day, okay? That was 25 years ago. She's still just as beautiful but she would say she's not the same. Do you know what I'm saying? And she would tell you he's definitely not the same. Okay? Do you know what I'm saying? What took, what took place? Time. Right? And gravity. Okay? 
Time and gravity, okay? What? Life, yes, which is bound by time, okay? So what we see here is that the first day was determined by the evening and the morning. Now, let me just stop for a moment because this is a good point because some people will say, well, wait a minute, George, hold on. Peter tells us that a day is as a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is as a day. What's going on? Why can't that be true here? Well, let me give you some reasons why that can't be true. Okay? Number one, the word here is not a Greek word. The word day that's being used over in the New Testament is a Greek word day. This is the Hebrew word day. Hebrew words basically express their meaning by their context. The context of day here is bound by the fact that it says what? The evening and the morning are what? The first day. First thing, two different languages. Second thing, if you look at the context of how they're being written, when Peter talks about a day is a thousand years and a thousand years as a day, he's talking, answering the question that the scoffers are saying, where's the Lord? We've been waiting for his coming Why hasn't he shown up? And so Peter uses that phrase to tell him God answers in his own time. Because one day to him is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. It's not a defining what a day is, okay? So that does that answer your question? You asked that question earlier, Tim, okay? Two different contexts. So here we go, first day of creation, we see light being created, and, and I guess you could also say time being created. Okay? Time. All right, let's go on. Let's go on to the second day. Uh, you'll see my explanation there about day, evening, and the morning from the Hebrew word yom. Okay? Now the second day. Here, let's read verse 6 through 8. Then God said... Let there be firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Then God made the firmament and divided the waters which are under the firmament from the waters which are above the firmament, and so, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. So let's take a look here. On the second day, God created the sky by separating it from the waters below and above. That's the firmament he's talking about here. So he separated the waters and created the sky that separated them. So let's go on here. You'll notice I give you a biblical note there concerning the waters above. Okay, What does that mean? Well, in a nutshell, it means that there was a canopy of water above the sky. And that created an atmosphere, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, that number one, because before the flood, you'll notice as we get later on, folks lived a very long time, okay? As in, can you picture living almost a thousand years? Can you guys really fathom that? 
does anybody really even want to live a thousand years? Okay? They did back then. Also, the concept of flooding and stuff, that wasn't even into their mind. And so there was something different going on. But God, this is what he's saying about creation, okay? Look now at the third day, verses 9 through 13. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind whose sun is in itself on the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is according to its kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Okay, so what's going on here in the third day? So let's talk about the third day. So On the third day, God separated the land, earth, from the waters, the seas. So he separated the land, earth, from the waters, the seas. Now let me just stop for a moment. This is one point that both evolutionists and creationists agree on. What do you mean? Well, young earth creationists especially would say that in the beginning, all land was tied together. It was one continent. Okay? Evolutionists say it was all one continent. They refer to it as Pangea. Okay? And that's something over time, through the tectonic plates or whatever, things split apart. Now, do you remember in school doing this? You would take puzzle pieces of the world, and then you would try to fit them together. You know what I'm saying? You try to fit South America into Africa, you know, and fit them all together and come up with one big mass of whatever. Do you remember doing that? Yeah, I remember doing that. And that's a long time ago. Okay? So, I mean, that's been around a long time. So we all agree that everything used to be one. Okay? That's what he's saying here. The land was formed, one, was called earth, separated from what? The seas, okay? Separated from the seas. All right, let's go on. God created plant life that can reproduce according to its kind. Now, that's interesting. He didn't just create one plant. He created plant life, must be various kinds of plant life, that could reproduce according to its kind. So if you have an apple tree, it's going to produce plums, for plum trees, right? No. It's going to produce apples. Okay? So forth. All right? Now, here's where we get into the controversy now. This is where people will say, well, hold on now. This cannot be possible. There's no way that this can be possible because what happens on the fourth day? That can't be true. All right? Well, let's talk at the fourth day. Look with me at the fourth day. We're going to see verses 14 through 19. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven 
to divide the day from the night and let them be signs and seasons for the days and the years. Let them be lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth. And so it was. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God gave, set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the first, excuse me, the fourth day. The evening and the morning were the fourth day. So let's talk about here. On the fourth day, God created the heavenly lights and divided the night from the day. Now, this is where the objection happens. Anybody got a sense of what the objection might be? What did he create on the third day? Okay, yeah, there'd be light. That's good, Danny. So what did he create on the third day? Go back, just a few verses. What? Plants. Yeah, now how do plants, what do they have to have? Sun, right? Because they have to have the process, of, they have to have light, right? For this process of photosynthesis to take place, right? Boy, I can't, pronouncing words today, okay? But okay, that's on the third day, but he doesn't create the sun and the moon and all the heavenly lights until when? That can't be true. If he's that intelligent, he should know better. Right? Isn't that what the evolutionists would say? Okay. That can't be true. Well, here's how you can approach this from one or two places. Okay? Tell me, you ever go away on a vacation? You got house plants in the house. You turn all the lights off. You pull all the shades. It's what? Dark in your house, Right? You're gone for a week to the beach, down to Ocean City. You're enjoying life down there. You're in the sun. Now, your plants at home, they're in the dark. You maybe even close that room, and it's dark. They're not getting any light. Now, when you come home, you open up all the windows, all the shades. Do you go over to your plants and say, oh, poor plants, you look so weak. So, so, are you doing okay? You, you take them all outside so they can get the sun because they've been starved for a week. Because they're practically what? Dead, right? Are they? I, no. You were gone for a whole week. One day. Besides that, he's God. Besides that, he's God. Which brings up the next point. Go to Revelation. This is what blows my mind, okay? Go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. Somebody read verse 23 for us. This is in the future, in eternity, in the new Jerusalem and the new earth, okay? Somebody read verse 23. Okay, well, what does that say? Will there be a need for the sun and the moon in the future? But there's still going to be light there, right? Who's producing the light? Yeah, God and the Lamb because of their glory. So 
if it's this wonderful, glorious being, God, he's creating, and it says he didn't take a rest, okay? Do you think the plants really need the sun at that point to get photosynthesis going? No, okay, what were you saying? Well, you could you could hypothesize that, um, but probably I would say no, simply because he created everything else in its form. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, like when he created man, Adam, he didn't create a baby. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Or when he creates the animals and the birds, they just are immediately in its existence. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you could say that possibly, okay, but maybe both. But he's God. He can do it, right? You don't need to have the sun create, the sun created the day before plants. Cause really plants can exist because God created and he's the light. Do you understand? He's the glorious light. All right. So let's go on. So, well, first of all, any questions so far? Yes, Lori. I see a hand in the back. We will see you in a moment, okay? The Bible does have an answer. What did you have for a question and answer, Lori? Yes. The gap theory, okay, she brought up, a, what, what in the world is the gap theory? Well, that's another viewpoint put forth by theologians to try to understand evolution or the science of evolution and they would say that there was a huge gap millions of years between each day the days are representative of periods so in the in this one period the plants were created in another period than the sun yes that would refute that because plants can't exist millions of years without any kind of light you know what i'm saying so or denny Yeah, but it didn't say what that light was, okay? Well, we know what darkness is, okay? He didn't create the sun day. Yeah. Where did the light and the darkness come from? Well, the light came from him, so we don't understand it. That, that, that part nobody ever really spends time trying to think on, okay? Because God is, God is light. Did you understand what I'm saying? And his glory produces light, okay? That's exactly right. Yes. Yep. Okay, yes. That's that it is an issue of faith. That's exactly right. Because I'll be honest with you, because you might have a person who's here and who's died in a wool, hardened evolutionist, and say, you know what, George, you're just, you're so uneducated, you really don't even know what you're talking about. Okay? And they would say that. They, I don't know where it all came from, but I know it came from somewhere and it wasn't God. But we can't use that argument. We can't say our faith is in God. Yep, yep, you're right, you're right, Bruce. Why do you think the Bible is written so that there's no question that it was the day and the evening and the morning was the next day? Yes, it's trying to say it's a 24-hour period. And God's saying, have faith in me. 
Yes, it is an issue of faith. Everything is an issue of faith, okay? The issue is faith, okay? So, in fact, stop for a moment. Paul talks, or is, is it Paul or Peter will later talk about that they, that, that the issue of creation is what they scoff at. They scoff at the issue of creation because if there is a creator, then we got to pay attention to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? If there's a creator who created everything and set things in motion, who existed before, who inter- interacts in our lives, then you got to pay attention to him. But if you don't want there to be a creator to, to acknowledge or do anything with, you will then say that there is no creation. Therefore, there is no God. It's just a figment of your imagination. Do you understand? What were you going to say, Nancy? Yes, man wants to be his own God or creates gods in his own image. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right? All right, now let's go on. Fourth day. <clears throat> we got a few more days to get through here. The fifth day, look at verse 20 to 23. God said, let the waters abound with the abundance of living creatures. And let the birds fly above the earth, cross the face of the ferment of the heavens. And God created sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with which the waters abounded according to their kind. And every winged bird, according to its kind, God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Okay, so let's talk about now the fifth day. On the fifth day, God created the marine life and every type of bird. So there you go, folks. If you ever wanted, if, which came first, the chicken or the egg? The Bible says the chicken. Okay? The chicken came first. All right? But if you're an evolutionist, you're still going to wonder which came first. Okay? So the chicken came first. All birds came first. Okay? All right? All birds came first. Now the sixth day, look with me at verse 24 through 31, okay? Boy, he did a lot on this day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping things, beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and so it was. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, Cattle according to its kind, everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is 
on the face of all the earth, and every living, every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. And also to every beast of the earth, to, to the, every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth, which are there is life. And I have given them green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Wow, a lot going on on the sixth day, so let's talk about it. On the sixth day, God created every living creature on the earth. Every living creature. And he said, creeping things. That's the bugs in your basement that you try to squash. The millipedes, the centipedes. You know what I'm saying? The silverfish. God created everything, okay? God created mankind in his own image to have dominion over the earth. Now, this is different. You know, he didn't say this for the other creation. He said this about man. Man, he's given man the responsibility to have dominion over the earth. Now, dominion, what does dominion mean? That means to govern, to rule over, okay? So the earth was given to man to rule over. God commanded mankind to be what? Fruitful and multiply. Okay? To be fruitful and multiply. And then God gave man every kind of green herb for food. Okay? Which my wife was just pointing at me saying, George, eat your vegetables. Okay? All right? Now, I want you to notice something. This is, this is not in your notes, but you may want to make a note here. Is in verse 30, it talks about all the different various land animals that he created. And then he said he gave them herb for food. So before the fall, before the flood, all animals ate vegetables. They ate plant life. Okay? They all ate plant life. From your most ferocious Tyrannosaurus Rex to your what you're saying dinosaurs? Yeah, I mean to have I mean we're talking about God creating everything, right? To to your lion, okay? And we kind of see that, right? Because you know about bear, right? Bear eat meat, but bear also eat what? Yeah, grass and plant life and whatever else. Okay? So So let's go on. Then the seventh day, and this is where we're going to end. Look at verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Okay. One statement. On the seventh day, God rested from his work and sanctified the seventh day. Now you're going to say, what do you mean he rested? He's God. I don't know. It says he rested. Did he need a rest? Did it tire him out? No clue. You could speculate that he was setting an example for us. Okay? 
But the point is, is that he rested on the seventh day. So that's the seventh day of creation. Now next week we're going to talk about man and the fall.